you might think it weird to talk about curling just as the summer is about to, well, break out. And you would be right, of course. But then again, a lot of things in Luxembourg were weird in the past two or three months, so why stop now? My name is Eliash Pengov-Bitens, aka Pengovsky, and this is Lux Ventures, your podcasting guide to navigating life in the Grand Duchy. In this podcast, I trick unsuspecting expats into sharing their experience with Lützeburg, what to expect, how to adapt, when to give up, and when to hold on. At the very least, we try to provide some emotional comfort. For many people, the past two months of lockdown have only exacerbated that familiar feeling of being trapped or cocooned, depending on your point of view, inside the expat bubble, with minimum interaction with the local population and the internet as the only lifeline to the civilization as they know it. Mike Eisenhower, however, is not one of those people. Two-time Luxembourg curling champion is, like most Canadians, a thoroughly nice person whose life took an unexpected turn on a European holiday many years ago and landed him in this particular neck of the woods. We talked about the epidemic and the general state of Luxembourg's health system, big city vibe in a not-so-big European town, traffic and commute, obviously, as well as general tips and tricks on what to do and how to survive first contact with the country. Oh, and curling. We talked about curling. Mike Eisenhower, uh, welcome to Lux Ventures. And um, just with, uh, just as with, with everyone on this podcast, I uh, have to ask you first, what on earth brings you to Luxembourg? Well, I was minding my own business in Canada about uh, seven, eight years ago. And I decided to come to Europe on vacation. And I went to Heidelberg in Germany, which is a nice little town. And I ran into this uh, Greek woman while I was there. And we started talking. And the next thing I know, it's four o'clock in the morning. And we're still talking. And then she says, uh, uh, this is crazy, uh, but I'm, I'm going to go to Paris uh, in a few days. And I was on an open... Uh, vacation so I said hey let's go to Paris so we went to Paris we ended up spending the whole week together and then uh, we made plans to meet up again I went back to Canada she said she was going to Barcelona for work so I went back to Canada and told my boss I need another two weeks vacation And I went to Barcelona for two weeks, and we ended up spending time there, and then it uh, escalated and escalated, and she came to Canada a couple times over the next two years, lots of Skyping, and uh, I ended up in Athens and proposed to her uh, at the uh, Parthenon uh, in the wow. Acropolis. Yes. I thought I'd be uh, really cool. So we ended up getting married in 2013 in Athens uh, by the uh, Mediterranean in a beautiful uh, church and uh, reception. And 
because she was living here in Luxembourg, she works here. I ended up, uh, she wasn't moving to Canada. So uh, I moved over to Luxembourg. So you basically had no choice, right? Yes. Mm. I, married a, I married a woman, a Greek woman. Funny how that keeps happening. I mean, other than marrying great women, but not really having a choice about moving to Luxembourg. We are made to believe that we have a choice. But listen, Mike, um, the reason I've asked you here on Lux Ventures uh, is not to uh, make everyone else jealous uh, with your uh, romantic exploits, although there seems to be much to be jealous about, flying all over the world and everything. But um, it's that you are, a, in my opinion, an extremely interesting person. Uh, the fact that you're from Canada is only a double plus. Um, but uh, you are, in fact, and correct me if I'm wrong, wrong two times Luxembourg national champion in curling. Well, I guess that's true. I've been <laughs> on the national, national team two years in a row. And uh, that's amazing in itself. But uh, I'll take it as long as they keep asking me to be on the team. I'll I'll keep trying to go. I should make a full uh, was a full disclosure that it was me who coaxed you into into joining the curling club Luxembourg. But exactly, uh, you're responsible for getting on the uh, Luxembourg national curling team. You are. I am. I fully. I fully own my mistakes. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea there was even curling in Luxembourg until you told me and. I just went out and started uh, playing, and before I knew it, I was on the national team. Well, that's the thing, because you're from Canada. You guys are supposed to have curling in your blood, and it's been a while since there was a Canadian on this podcast. So uh, just you know, run us through it a little bit. How big is curling in Canada? Curling is huge in Canada. We have more curlers in Canada than the rest of the world combined. Just in our one country, we... Uh, beat out everybody in the world as far as participation goes. There is a curling ice rink in most communities with at least 20,000 people in it, uh, almost everywhere in Canada. And some cities have 10 clubs in one city. They fill a small stadium to watch curling on the national level in Canada. That's how big it is. It's on national television every weekend. Realizing that there is curling in Luxembourg, not trying to not appreciate our, our fellow curlers, uh, but I mean, I mean, does, do you have you know to take a step back and and sometimes say to yourself, uh, "Come on, Mike, this isn't Canada. This is Luxembourg. You know, don't expect too much." Well, I have no room to complain because I just started curling uh, when I got to Luxembourg. I'd never curled before. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, I knew the game and I know the rules basically and uh, how to play, and I've seen lots of good curling by other people, but uh, I've never done it myself. And it's much more difficult to do than to uh, to watch. So uh, you know, I hold my tongue. Uh, you know, unless you can do it, you shouldn't be saying very much. <laughs> so. Uh, I wait till I make a good shot before I say anything. I guess that's sort of uh, something that 
one should adhere to in life in general, you know, not not to be smart, smart asking about things that uh, one doesn't have experience with. I've learned a lot since I, I started curling, like uh, just doing it, you get a feel for the game and uh, technique is very important and uh, I still have a lot to learn with, with that. I have no illusions that I'm uh, good or anything. I'm just trying and I... If I can fit in with the rest of the guys and have fun. And the main thing about curling in Canada is that it's a participation sport. It's not, there are high level curlers, but the vast, vast majority of people are playing for fun. And you go out and socialize and have a beer afterwards and just talk and uh, have a good time. It's more about that than uh, competing at the international levels. And uh, to be honest, there's a lot of that uh, in curling in Luxembourg as well. I mean... Yes, that's that's the main draw. Um, speaking of, of, of um, national team and etc., about a month ago, you and I were supposed to be in my hometown on the European, European uh, Curling Championship, Division C, But that was sort of uh, COVIDed. Is that a verb even? It's becoming a verb. <laughs> so, um, listen, you've some broad experience in the natural sciences, I think. Yes, I have uh, a degree in uh, biology and chemistry in Canada. And I worked at a university for 30 years before I came over here. Did any of this coronavirus thing surprise you? Anything about it? Um... The thing that surprised me is how many experts came out of the woodwork who aren't really experts. And some of the things that are said have nothing to do with uh, viruses or biology at all. It's all about serving our own personal interest, uh, whatever that may be. And, uh, you know... Uh, countries even have been uh, not allowed to have supplies for instance and things like that just based on political reasons is nothing to do with people's health you know why can't you give somebody some masks or some ventilators it's it's almost nothing and these things have been kept from going across borders to help people out it's it's actually atrocious those kind of things have been going on. That's been the most surprising to me, is how uh, some people are not thinking broadly and thinking about the, the overall effects of this and thinking more about themselves. At one level, I can understand it because nobody wants to get sick, but just for the sake of allowing something to uh, benefit someone else, Uh, is uh, terrible in my view anyway that's just my opinion but the the virus itself is a, an organism that only wants to find cells to invade and uh, whether you have a party or whether you have a barbecue or whether you go to a restaurant uh, the virus doesn't care if you're there and it's there it's going to take advantage so think before you act would you say on the whole um as a let's say an informed private individual that uh, the state of luxembourg has handled this fairly i mean in 
okay-ish? I, I think the state of Luxembourg's done an excellent job. Um, it came out that we had one of the highest infection rates in the world. But I think that was mainly because we had one of the highest testing rates in the world because we actually knew what was going on in our own area where other places either ignored it or just didn't test uh, people enough to find out. Uh, the United States is going through hell right now because of that. Um, here in Luxembourg, we're almost down to zero. We have very few cases now, less than 100. So uh, we're doing quite well. And I, I hope uh, now that things are starting to open back up that we don't get uh, a severe second wave, which has happened in the past when these things happen. Um, I hope we don't get a very severe one. I imagine there'll be some new cases coming up in the next month, but I can't imagine it'll be any worse than it's already been. Going off on a tangent, the thing that, that surprised me in uh, looking at the expat Facebook groups and you know the, the circles where expat information is um, circles um, is that despite everything, despite lockdowns, uh, people were still thinking and planning to of moving to Luxembourg and were obviously uh, soliciting information. But nobody was, at least none that I, uh, none that I saw, was specifically asking about uh, health system or COVID or anything like that. In your opinion, I mean, is there a um, general... Uh, conviction that uh, Luxembourg is a, a safe country with a good health system, etc. I mean, what's your impression? Speaking as an expat, Luxembourg has an excellent healthcare system. Um, it's a little bit old-fashioned in the administration part of it, but the care and the uh, organization is very well done. Um, as far as COVID, I think uh, Luxembourg does a very good job, but we're kind of at the mercy of the three surrounding countries because about 200,000 of them, when everyone's working, uh, come across the border every day. And Belgium and France and Germany have uh, large uh, infection rates. And Belgium and France have higher than normal death rates. So that is a concern. Um, but Luxembourg itself, I would have no reservations about their healthcare system at all. Uh, if uh, I was thinking of moving here, which I did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I found out since then, um, once you have your uh, uh, health card, and your health number, um, you're welcome anywhere to go uh, to any doctor and uh, get your health care needs taken care of. It's, it's a very good, uh, well-run system. You touched on another subject that uh, I've been, th that sort of disappeared with the lockdown and is now reappearing, namely the traffic. Um, and that seems to be a perennial issue here in Luxembourg. Um, Given that it's 
in the in the North uh, American continent, I think uh, I would imagine Canada is still a ga- is also a gas guzzling country. We use cars more than uh, anybody because we have such vast distances. But I luck- put I put I put literally five times more kilometers on my car in Canada than I do here. Yeah, but Luxembourg is not just five times smaller than Canada. So you know, per per square kilometer, what I'm trying what I'm trying to do here now is find a, uh, the the long way around to 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 talk about about tra- uh, traffic in Luxembourg, public transport in Luxembourg, alternative modes of transport in Luxembourg. You bike whenever possible, right? Yes. I, well, I try to anything close. I try and bike to. I I try and take uh, my daughter to school on the bike as much as possible. Uh, we go to the parks quite a bit. There's lots of bike trails everywhere, lots of walking trails. The The country is set up for outdoor activities, if you want to do them. There's parks everywhere for kids. Um, now the transit system is free, which is amazing. You can go anywhere on a train or a bus. Nothing. <laughs> Well, your taxes pay for it, but uh, you don't have to pay uh, when you use. So that's an amazing thing, and, and it's run fairly well. I'm I'm going by North American standards, and we're terrible with uh, public transport. Here, it, it's amazing to me and so easy. So I, I love it, but... I don't have anything really good to compare it to. Um, do you think it's sustainable uh, in the long term? I mean, uh, free transport? From what I understood, uh, the Luxembourg government was subsidizing it up to 90% before. So all they're doing is not paying, uh, making us pay the 10%. So they just took over really 10% more. Mm. So it should be sustainable. I mean, we've got one of the lowest debt to uh, GDP ratios anywhere, so they should be able to sustain this. What was the thing that surprised you most in a positive way about Luxembourg? How it's got a small town mentality with big city business. It's it's uh, really deceiving when you walk around here on Sunday when it's totally dead, it's like you're in a small, tiny little town where everybody's still sleeping at two uh, o'clock in the afternoon. But then on Monday morning, you can't move because of the traffic. And uh, there's literally uh, hundreds of billions of dollars of business going on all around you. And then next, in a few days, it's just going to be dead again. It, it's... That's the biggest surprise to me. It's uh, it flicks on and off like a switch. <laughs> Speaking of, of uh, yeah switches and and uh, going on and off, uh, how do you, if at all, interact with the uh, with Luxembourgers, with locals? I mean, Luxembourg is peculiar in terms that it has almost half of the population is of. For I mean, are not Luxembourgish nationals, so that statistically that makes it likely that you are not speaking to a Luxembourger when you are speaking to to someone. But how do you do it if you do it? Well, I have a problem with language. Most Luxembourgers speak French. 
fluently in Luxembourgish, and a lot of them speak German as well, and I can't speak any of those very well. So first I try and get them to speak English, and a lot of them do. Uh, they're a little self-conscious about it, but if, if you let them know that you don't care, um, they will generally talk to you. They're a little reserved, and they like to keep to themselves. And it, it's not that they're uh, snobbish or anything. They're just, that's their culture, is to not infringe on your privacy. So you have to go out of your way to try and talk to a Luxembourger. But when the, the little walls come down, they're nice, down-to-earth people who you can talk to about just about anything. And uh, they're, in my opinion, uh, very easy to talk to once you break the ice, so to speak. And I try and talk to uh, as many as I can because most people you run into are not Luxembourgers. <laughs> Uh, because it, especially in our neighborhood, uh, it's like 65 to 70% uh, foreigners where I live. And you've got everybody from all over the world. And uh, the school we uh, send to is totally multicultural. Um, and you see people from everywhere in the world, so which I think is great. Yeah, I mean, breaking out of the expat uh, bubble in Luxembourg is more of a challenge uh, than it seems, which I guess that's why curling comes in handy, right? Because I met my, I met me my first Luxembourgers there. Yes. <laughs> well, we, we get to uh, interact with uh, a few more Luxembourgers that way. And when uh, three quarters of the four team national team is not Luxembourgers, uh, that's what happens. Listen, before we, before we wrap up, and uh, I could do this all night long, but um, you've got more important things to do, and uh, I should let you go and <laughs> do them. Um, when or if one moves to Luxembourg, uh, off the top of your head, what are the three pieces of advice you'd give them? I mean, things to prepare for when they land. The first thing you should do is go to your local commune, wherever you're you end up living and get yourself registered to make sure you're in the system as soon as possible. And they will get all the proper forms filled out so you can have access to healthcare. Um, if you're starting a new job, you'll have that recorded so they know who you are, where you're from, because it's a very tight run ship here, so to speak. Um, They've got all the information on you that they need and want. And the sooner you get that done, the better off you'll be when you go and try and do anything within the country. Because the first thing they'll do is look you up and see if you're registered to be here. Um, also, the names of the places are totally different, to, especially to what I'm used to. So. Uh, look at a map and figure out where places are and uh, then you can figure out how to get there so if you're going to Ludeland and not Doodland and uh, all these different places that have Ange at the end of them uh, you have to uh, really know where you're going because you could end up at the other end of the country somehow That's and uh, 
the third thing is talk to people don't be reserved uh, because people are reserved here so you have to put yourself out a little bit and uh, talk to people and ask questions and you'll get some strange looks sometimes but who cares you, you're going to find out information all the time and I'm still doing that I, I still uh, am amazed at the new things I find out all the time and you get to interact with so many different people like you from uh, Eastern Europe which I know very little about and I find out new things all the time from all the Eastern Europeans that I talk to. Mike Eisner, and it's been uh, great talking to you. Uh, thanks for taking the time for Lux Ventures, and um, see you on the curling rink, hopefully, come September. Yes, I hope so, I hope so. Thanks for having me. So this is it. Thank you for tuning in or downloading as it were and if you can, please leave a review and rate this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Don't forget to like our Facebook page and feel free to ping me on Twitter with any comments and suggestions you might have. Lux Ventures will be back next month.